welcome to Comics Deserve Better. Um, this week, it's just Brian. So what's up, Brian? Hey, how's it going today? Good, man. So also, we, uh, yeah, so Darcy's not with us today, but the show must go on. So we're, um, this week, we're, our main um, title we're covering is Four Kids Walk Into a Bank. It came out a few years ago from Black Mass Studios. And we got your usual news and uh, quick hits so, and uh, looking forwards. So I'm going to lead off with the news. So uh, I feel like we do one of these every week because I don't know, like every week Z2 um, has a comics deal with a musician that one of us likes. So this week uh, Z2 announced that they, that Graham Coxon, you may know as he played lead guitar for Blur. He also made a bunch of solo albums too. And most recently he's kind of become a bit of a soundtrack guy. He did uh, the score for in, uh, Netflix's End of the Fucking World, which is actually based on a comic by Charles Forsman. But he is doing a comic slash soundtrack called Superstate with uh, Alec Packnadel, who you may know recently from Giga. And it's gonna, ha- it's gonna be, it's one of those projects that there's a lot of artists on it. Um, Rie Yove from Faithless is gonna be on it and Ryan Kelly, who's done a shit ton of good books. And it's good to see him getting work. And in press releases, he's um, described this story as a story of escape. And he actually is, um, illustrating the cover and there's not a lot of information on this book so far in the in the interview he's with the uh, enemy good old enemy he says um super state is a story of escape in a society where war rages between the forces negativity and positivity encouragement and discouragement and each chapter is going to be uh drawn by a different artist and it's going to have its own song which i think is really really cool um so brian are you are you a graham coxon fan blur fan oh yeah Oh, definitely Blur. I think it's, I think one of the things that's wrong with America is that Blur is only a one hit wonder here in the U.S. It doesn't make sense. Um, but um, no, I mean, I, I, I am a big Graham Coxon fan and I was kind of hoping that uh, his, his, his comic would be about a milk carton trying to find his way home. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm, I'm all for this. It sounds really good. Yeah, I think if Alex Jaynes did a comic, that's it would be about that and like a block of cheese. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. Also, apparently he's a Tory. Not Graham Coxon isn't a Tory, but Alex James is a Tory. Apparently. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's... Sorry. Uh, but, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like that he's doing the cover art too. Yeah. Um, I think he did art for some of the album, like like at least the inside covers. So that makes sense, you know that that he's he's doing the covers. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's really, I don't know if you've seen the cover, it's like really impressionistic and there's a cool like kind of old school flying saucer on it. So I'm really, so definitely yeah, sci-fi vibes for sure. Um, but yeah, it's cool. And yeah, I'm really excited to check it out because I know Z2 is doing a, doing a Gorillaz, Gorillaz book. Uh, it's coming, it was supposed to come out a couple of weeks ago, but I think COVID or delays, um, I haven't seen it around. So it'll be cool. You can get the other Blur yeah. members um, the, book. The, yeah. the, the other famous member for sure <laughs> yeah but yeah I'm, I'm this gonna be a cool project uh so ryan what what uh, news do you have for us um well um so we have about um projects that got announced that we don't know a lot about um jeff johns and gary frank um have announced that they are going to be doing an image comic series a creator own book called geiger um but the big importance of this, and the reason we're mentioning it here in the news, is um, I'm pretty sure you all know that Jeff Johns has been 
you know, basically synonymous with DC for decades, almost, <laughs> you know, like, like over, yeah. over, like maybe 15, 20 years. I mean, like since the millennium started. And so um, the fact that he is, you know, like obviously there was a big calling at, at DC um, that you probably heard some, from somewhere else. That's not independent comic book podcast and um so he's looking for a new job and it's you know it's great he's he's teaming up with gary frank who he did doomsday clock with um it seems like a, like a post-apocalyptic kind of thriller so it looks it looks interesting the they released a couple pa- uh, panels and um a couple pages so you know like it looks it looks good but there's not much to say yet about it so yeah it's very it seems very derivative of fallout for sure even the names like the characters names are very kind of cutesy but in a pocket like there's a like night crawlers i think the main character's name is like joe glow or something <laughs> so it kind of um kind of sounds like he played a bunch of fallout or he was like between jobs <laughs> i don't i don't i don't know his job situation i don't want to comment on that but he, he yeah. played a bunch of fallout when we can decide to make a comic but yeah, I'm actually, but I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not really a big Jeff Johns person, but I'm really, I think in the past I've said like, I'll give him more respect when he does a creator owned book. Um, so he, he did that. So I can, now I can kind of just go and see what, what he, what he does with it. Um, I mean, he's one of the biggest names that hasn't really done a creator owned book yet. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. He's always come across as just kind of like the company man to me. And mm-hmm. I mean, and even through, I don't really want to, get into the weeds about the whole incident with uh, Ray Fisher and the filming of Justice League, but yeah. he always comes across as a, a company man. So it's interesting seeing him kind of kind of moving on and, and doing his own thing at the, you yeah. know, the place where creators can run free image. That's the luck, you know, I mean, yeah. let's, you know, hopefully he can move on and, you know, hopefully work, work, work on his own terms, uh, work on being a better person when it comes to stuff like that. And, <laughs> you know, so it's, yeah, good for him. Definitely. Yeah. I saw on Twitter, someone was comparing this to, to Alan Moore jumping over to image and doing Supreme. He's cause I feel like, I feel like um, Jeff Johns, his entire career is really in the shadow of trying to be like Alan Moore. Hence yeah. Buck, hence three jokers, even Blackest I, Knight, you know, played yeah. off his um, short stories. Um, no, and it no, tells the Green Lantern. Totally. No, I, I can totally see that, definitely. So Especially I think, out. Yeah. I was going to make a joke like, oh, yeah, well, are you going to tell me that he did a, a sequel to Walsh, Watchmen? But then you're right, but Three Jokers is also... Yeah, Killing Joke. And, yeah. yeah. So. so this is him, like, when, when Moore went in the 90s for Image and did, like... He did all kinds of weird... Like, he did some good... Like, he did 1963 in Supreme, but he did, a, like, a Bad Rock Violator crossover... I think he just did it for because the, the money was crazy back then. So I think he just did it for the money. I mean, it was a few decades later, like a decade later. But Prometheus is like one of my favorite Alan Moore works. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. He hopped over to yeah ABC. So, so soon we'll see him trying to do like his own line of pulp comics. Jeff Johns' best comics. Or oh my god, I don't even think about that. Or <laughs> or we're getting close. He could do his From Hell. Like, get yeah. ready for that edgy Jack the Ripper comic coming soon. No. Yeah. Okay. I could I could honestly roast Jeff Johns all day, but yeah. this is an indie comics podcast. So I think that would be kind of counterintuitive. So I'm going to go to um, a more positive uh, news. So Vault, we love Vault. We mm-hmm. covered, I think, two of their comics in main courses. And we always, um, I think they always find a way to flit in one of our, in our weekly um, capsules that we do. So Vault just uh, announced their new, um, on com- the new ongoing series for 2021. It's called Hollow Heart. 
It is a queer monster love story from Paul Aller and Paul Tucker. They did the book Tet for uh, Vault. And I'm just gonna read the, the plot real quick. Hollow Heart follows E.L., who used to be human, but now he's a jumble of organs in a bio suit. E.L. is also in tremendous pain and has been for a very long time. Hope arrives in the form of Mateo, mechanic brought in to work on E.L.'s suit, and Mateo sees E.L. in a way no one else ever has. It looks really sweet. Like, oh my God. Yeah, right? sounds awesome. Yeah, no, and I'm always up for, I'm always up for a good love story that doesn't, it's not just your regular rom-com. And then the fact that it's like a queer monster love story that's like hitting all the, all the, the right notes for me. For sure. Yeah, yeah. The folks have been comparing it to Shape of Water. And I think I'm like, it's kind of like Shape of Water, but with like exosuits. <laughs> so, so if you, if you, if you want to, you know, you know, if you want to giga to have a little more, you know, human on, on robot action, like this might be the book for you. Um, yeah, and it's also part of their, their horror imprint, their night, I think it's called Nightfall, which they kind of yeah. dropped it, like autumnal and all those books have been part of. Um, so they're kind of extending that because those, those books have been really solid. So it should be like a regular imprint for sure. Totally. Yeah. Anything that's vault or boom, I read the first issue of that comes out automatically. So definitely we'll be picking this up. Yeah, honestly, I think it's a, it's a good, good rule of thumb and, and, they, and they got the YA down the line. So they'll, their range will get even bigger. So definitely. yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm like, please more announcements. Um, <laughs> yeah, cool. And then you had another bit of news. Uh, just a little one. Um, actually, and this is great. This is great news for, for retailers. Um, Scout Comics, um, they're going to now have a two-month gap between the first and second issues starting in November. Uh, what that means is, I'm sure you all know the process, especially with Diamond, when it comes to <laughs> comic book shops um, getting, you know, getting books for their stores, where they have to actually order the first Usually, around if it's a book that comes out monthly, it's the first like three books yep. uh, before they even get the first book in the store before they can know how it sells. So, the fact that Scout is going to stagger the first between the first and second um, issues basically gives the you know the book to have time to to get on the shelf and breathe. So then the retailer can be like, oh yeah, this this bomb so i'm not going to buy any issue too or this is great i'm going to get more you know i'll i'll, I'll order a bunch more of the next issue so it's it's, it's definitely a you know a symbiotic relationship because it works for scout as well because if they're producing quality then then uh you know like the retailers will know you know once people pick those books off the shelves that to get more yeah no it's really cool it reminds me a lot of um film studios some film studios do this they'll they'll release a movie in like a few key markets to see how it does. Like, you know, maybe even as, as little as like three to six theaters. And then if, you know, people in LA and New York are eating it up, um, they, they kind of expand it to the, you know, this, this second tier, whatever, like Chicago, DC, and then, then it hits like, you know, <laughs> middle America. Yeah. So it kind of, it's cool. So you can kind of see if something's going to be a, a runaway hit and, and it, yeah. And also, yeah, like it kind of, you're right about it, reducing the financial burden too. No, totally. Um, Especially around this, this these times right now, I think any kind of help like that is great. Yeah, and I think it yeah it gives them more time to sell the book and promote the book in different ways. And I don't know, maybe but maybe one weakness is like people might forget about it after two months. I don't. Yeah, I, guess, I don't know. I can see that. So they'll have to definitely be more explosive, maybe. 
in their uh, better better uh, cliffhangers at the end of the first issue. Yeah, yeah, that's that's one thing. I'm just like, like getting a new. I mean, I'm okay with. I mean, I'm okay with delays. Delays happen. I mean, that's part of making comics, especially indie comics. Mm-hmm. But like knowing, like, I mean, at least you know going into it, it's going to be. You're not going to get a new story for two months. So, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think I think I feel like it helps the retailers and companies like a lot. Cool. And our last news item today, it actually just dropped earlier this afternoon, man. Like, I don't know, I was about to piece out of work or it was the middle of the day or something. And I, I saw um, Entertainment Weekly announced that there was going to be a new uh, Black Hammer kind of miniseries called Black Hammer Visions. And basically the premise is, so Black Hammer's had a ton of different artists over its run, but really the only writer, the consistent voice has been uh, Jeff Lemire. I think this week, um, the Barbalian book's out and mm-hmm. it has a different writer, but um, at this point it's mostly been Lemire and a bunch of artists' voices. But I feel like with, with uh, Black Hammer Visions, it's opening the floodgates to more writers and more artists too. So the first issue of Black Hammer's Visions is gonna be written by Pat Oswalt, the comedian, he's a big comedian, he's done a lot of, you probably, I mean, you probably know him from something, I was gonna mm-hmm. say. And he's written comics in the past too, he wrote, um, he wrote like a comedic take on the Justice League and he wrote, um, I think he wrote one of the Firefly comics. So he's like, he's not a first time comics writer. And so he's doing a story about Golden Gale, who's kind of like the gender bent Shazam, oh, kind of like the Mary Marvel analog in Black Hammer. And she's a really fun character. And he's doing that with uh, Dean Kotz as the artist. And then also if you if you kind of scroll scroll on, uh, they Entertainment Weekly teases other writers who are going to be on it. So they haven't teased, there's eight issues. They haven't teased, there's still one issue um, left to be announced. So the writers that they plan so far are Jeff Johns, Chip Zdarsky, Cullen Bunn, Kellen, Kelly Thompson, Mariko Tamaki, and Cecil Castellucci. So pretty, pretty solid. Um, <laughs> That's a murderer's row. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm done with all those except for Jeff Johns. But yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, but the thing is, he could do like, I feel like Jeff Johns would be really good on a, and he, if, he, if he does anything about the, the, I forget what the World War II era heroes are. Big Stars of Rock. And, oh, oh, yeah, no, uh, in the Black Hammer Squad. Yeah, yes. yeah, not the, not the Black Hammer Squad, but the, the team that, the team that oh, got the, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Because I like that Black Hammer 45 because it was running a lot like this Tuskegee Airmen. Like, when mm-hmm. I came into it, I thought they were just going to do like a, JSA riff, but it was really like about like the Tuskegee Airmen and not getting in like this these people of color who are the real heroes in the war not getting mm-hmm. credit. And I was really and plus like Matt Kent did the art, so yes. Um, so I, I could see him maybe writing about that like main team or something. I don't know. Oh no, totally. And you uh, know, I mean, something that harkens back to his JSA run would be great. Yeah, I just think that'd be a nice little 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 behavior tour. So so they're okay. So this is kind of just a fun kind of dorky thing. There's one issue that they haven't announced a writer for. Who would you who would you want to write that issue? And what kind of story in the Black Hammer universe would you want them to tell? Ooh. Um Cena Grace and a Barbalian like love love story would be kinda kinda awesome. Yeah. No, I mean he's getting like stuff right now, but like he's getting his own series now. But yeah, like doing yeah. one I mean he's lived for so long, like Maybe do something in Mars, and also he needs to like get him to draw it too. Yeah, no, totally. Um, yeah, no, that's that's a good one. I like that. Um, 
or I don't know, he could make, he could create, you know, like an original, you know, queer hero for that would like, be the universe. awesome as well. Definitely. And I mean, they, and they, they might do that. I mean, I mean, you know, we all, we all run in packs, so he, he'll probably know Barbalian, but yeah, like there's, there's probably, I mean, I'm really interested in this Barbalian series to see him yeah. like more in the, the queer community instead oh, of, totally. cause you usually just either, you know, saw him at the farm or up in, I think of one of the flashback um, issues you saw him out up in space and yeah, from the discrimination, but it'll be cool to see him in art. And he's just been sad and lonely essentially because he's never, you know, being able to be himself. So yeah, it'd be, it's it'll be great to see a, a series where he gets to be himself. That oh, one, sure. that one variant cover, I think it's for issue two, where he's at he's at a at a parade. He's yeah. he's waving the flag. That's awesome. Nice. So, I'm excited about that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I forgot to mention, but. Uh, black this this black camera series is some incredible variant covers you got evan dorkin doing mm-hmm. a milk and milk and cheese crossover with golden gale like that's amazing and then you got um gilbert hernandez um Vero, you know doing doing a nice kind of pinup of golden gale in his iconic style so that's awesome well, now what was your what's your choice mine you is it's so obvious and so tacky and it'll probably <laughs> will not happen but i would really like to see james robinson write um a Doctor Andromeda story. Yeah, well, I, I could totally see that. I mean, Lemire is obviously a fan from, yeah. from the, the first Doctor Andromeda story, so that would be very interesting. Well, it, and the thing is, like that was so close to Starman that like it was originally Doctor Star, and mm-hmm. the character's name was Jimmy Robinson, um, and they had to change it to Doctor Andromeda because of copyright stuff. A little so. too close. Yeah. yeah. Um, another another guy I think would be good, and and he's done stuff for. For Dark Horse, I mean, he's most most folks know him as prose writer. I think Michael Chabon would be really good because I know he's done some stuff. He's done like he's done comics. He's done like Casanova backups, and he he did um, comics based on the escapist character from the Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. I think it would be fun to see him play around in uh, the Black Camera universe. You kind of gave an idea, and I have uh, another suggestion. Maybe um, you know there hasn't been kind of a a, a space heroes like. You know, like um, you know, Galactic Heroes in the Black Hammer. Yeah, kind of like a like a like a Green Lantern kind of vibe. Yeah, because we didn't get the like, Legion. We got the or, Legion riff. But. Yeah, or even like a Guardians of the Galaxy. Ooh. And like I could see like Al Ewing doing kind of a broad space mm-hmm. opera. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, definitely. I think. I mean, I assume he's exclusive of Marvel, but he's doing stuff for Boom. Yeah, and I don't know, but but hey, you know, this is like sky's the limit time so yes exactly yeah and just to wrap yeah check her do it (laughs) i wish um but uh (laughs) i mean next best thing you get like tom shioli to draw something but yeah i'd really like to see hernandez or dorkin do uh do stories in this too i think evan dorkin would be a lot of fun if you wanted to do a i just i like it a lot you know black hammer is is a really fun expansive universe and it's it's cool like it's just you can do and it's like you can do any your your own take on any kind of superhero archetype or any kind of comics genre in there really so it'll be cool like they've done like some like uh, when i think rich tomasa was drawing some issues like it was like much more kind of indie so i'm like really i'm maybe a little too excited for this series but yeah it was some cool news today it's pretty cool yeah definitely so yeah moving on to the quick hits uh brian was your a quick hit for this week well, um, speaking of Al Ewing, um, <laughs> uh, uh, I, have, I saw you did there. You're seeing it. 
<laughs> so I have a, well, we only find them when they're dead number three um, from Boom. Uh, writer Al Ewing, a um, artist is uh, Simone DeMille and color assist by Marie Sarah Miotti, lettered by Android Design. Um, so Al Ewing is basically the master of exposition. Um, you know, like it's a space opera in a new universe that he created, but yet he hasn't dumped heaps of information just like in text or even like, you know, in, in, in like image, like basically he's been telling the story in a way that the exposition, exposition just comes naturally. So, you know, who the characters are, you know, how this universe works, you know, what everyone wants, their motivations. And, and it's, it doesn't feel clunky, like a first issue, you know, can, I mean, this is the third issue, but you know, first story arc can get kind of clunky with like, Oh, this guy's, this guy's brother and they don't like each other because this person did this. And so it's none of that stuff yet. You, are so familiar with the characters that it's it's almost like you've been reading this series for years. So I um, and then Simone de Mayo, um, he's channeling something that I don't know exactly what it is, but um, he he's doing work right now uh, on Champions uh, for Marvel, which is excellent artwork and excellent series too. But this artwork is something absolutely different. It's like it's. You wouldn't if you showed kind of these together, you wouldn't believe that they was the same artist. Like this definitely has more of a space, you know, universal feel to it. As as Champions is a little more grounded, as much as a superhero book can be. But um, and then he's channeling like Jack Kirby with when he draws the gargantuan gods that mm. the book refers to in the title. And um, and but like the main reason why I wanted to kind of bring it up is. I'm not a vocal reader. When I read, I just, you know, I'm kind of zoned out and, and read and, and just kind of take everything in. And I'm also not a very big user of curse words, but <laughs> there is a moment towards the end of this, of the store of this issue where I literally said, Oh shit. <laughs> like nice. that. And I scared my wife. Oh wow. <laughs> and, and so I'm not going to, you know, it's a good comic, man. Exactly. And I'm like, I'm not going to get into it because like, I don't want to spoil it because right. I hope you guys all have that kind of moment as well. Um, but um, if you're a fan, like of storytelling, personal tales, vendettas, space operas, then this is a book you should read. Yeah, I've, I haven't read this book, um, but I've like kind of looked at the art a little bit and it reminds me a lot of Christian Ward mm -hmm. who, who did um, Black Bolt with Al Ewing. So. No, oh, totally. and, and, and a couple, he did the, he did the, uh, the, light, the amazing Life Ringer issues of Ultimates. The, the series with, um, with uh, G. Willow Wilson um, yeah. as well, which is another space opera that's really good. I, oh yeah, Invisible oh, Kingdom. Yeah. Invisible Kingdom, thank you. I totally blinked on the name there. Yeah, so it's, but no, it's, no, I'm just like, I haven't read the series, but I'm like, I knew I would, I know I would like it because it's just Al Ewing getting to create his own world. Um, no. He can just, instead of playing with other toys, he can, you know, create his own toy box. So I like that a lot. And yeah, and, and just like, I'm looking at the lettering and it looks like, like a page from like a family Bible or something, like very, like just no, no boxes or anything yeah. straight on the page. It's so cool. It all kind of just blends into uh, each other, which adds to the spacey feel to it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, it kind of makes you, I mean, I, I don't know if, Kurt, it kind of makes you wish, like, you know, Jack Kirby had gotten the opportunity to do that. Kind yeah. Of letter straight on the page. Um, but, and eh, it's okay. But yeah, that looks super cool. I definitely want to check it out. 
So my pick, I actually done the, I did the first issue of this as a quick hit a long time ago, but this issue two of this series just, I feel like there's just this trend with comics I've been reading where I've like, ooh, issue one, this is cool. I like the premise, whatever. But then issue two, I just get like soul sucked into it. So the comic, we, we already actually mentioned this writer earlier. So my, um, my quick hit this week is Getting It Together, number two, from uh, written by Cena Grace and Omer Spahi, art by Jenny D. Fine, and colors by MX Struble. And so the first issue, I think, had to do a lot of heavy lifting. It's a slice of life book, so you pretty much have to, <laughs> you have to like introduce the main cast of characters and all their relationships to each other and get uh, folks engaged. So this book starts out, because so one of the protagonists is Lauren. She's the lead singer of this uh, kind of indie, very indie band <laughs> called Nip Slip. Like, so indie that she has to sell their, she doesn't have a merch person. She has to like sell the, her own merch after the shows. And yeah, so it starts out with like um, her at a show. You get to see like the music side of things. You see her at a show talking to an A&R person. And I really like how, how grounded it is. It's like, it's like most most artists would be like big label big money blah 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 but like this this like record label is like super indie like they get i think the line is like oh they just they review some some of our, the albums in pitchfork so it's like just like maybe you could be like a like live on the road touring act and like mm-hmm. music is so weird with streaming now too so they don't really go into that as much so it starts like that and it's just like okay this is solid and then it but then they, they, they just hit you with a sledgehammer of the interpersonal drama. So, so Lauren's um, ex-boyfriend, Sam, is good friends of her brother, Jack, which creates all kinds of trouble. Um, and Sam is super jealous because um, Lauren slept with the bass player in her band. So they're like hanging out. You know, it's like one of those things where you've been in a relationship with someone for a long time. You don't want to like throw that all away. So you're still, you know, trying to be cool, trying to be friends. But then when she brings up the band, it just like triggers something in him because he just thinks of the bass player. And it leads to some insane drama at this coffee, this chill ass San Francisco coffee shop. And uh, Jenny B. Fine, like this really fun exaggerated art. Um, and then, yeah, so that, that creates a lot of drama and that bleeds into the band's drama. And, and then you have Jack doing his own thing, finding random guys on Tinder, which is, hey, if you're queer, a queer man, Tinder is like, fun place to go um it's a lot actually it's a lot less there's a lot less how shall we say phalus is on tinder so <laughs> sometimes if you're tired of that grinder dick parade like so that, that was that was fun and also like he's like i'm in a new neighborhood i'm gonna check the people like i've totally done that before <laughs> like i'm in a new area let's check out the cuties nice. so he's he's a lot the thing is but the thing is like he's just trying to like talk about this like cute guy he hooked up with to all his friends but they're going through so much drama and there's like a friend breakup in it. Oh, it's it's so good. It's just like this drama is popping off, but it's not like it's pretty much it's pretty over the top. But it's still I don't know. Like the art keeps it grounded, and the color like Struble's colors are amazing. They did the colors for I think I mentioned this little press boy, so they're really good at kind of gauging the mood of the whole situation. And also there's random cool backup strips that like add even more personality to the characters. So I like this book a lot. It's like a straight up like hangout. It's a straight up hangout book. And we like totally need more of those in comics. We get those in graphic novels, but we don't get them in monthly comics. So I'm just excited. And even though I talked about this book a few months ago, I want to keep hyping it up because I want more books like this. Oh my gosh, we need more books like this. 
Okay. I, I'm reading this monthly as well, and I absolutely enjoyed the uh, the second issue. Um, I think I refer to it as a rom com that you can read because mm. it kind of has it kind of has that 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 feel of a of a kind of a sitcom rom- romantic sitcom uh, kind of feel yeah. to it, but at the same time, definitely a little more modern than a lot of those romantic sitcoms. You know, nothing you would show on network TV, and. Um, but and then I think those 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 comics at the end, the backup comics, is almost like the after credit scenes, you know, kind of oh, yeah. like. It, and so it's it, it is it's definitely a lot of fun. And I hate I hate Sam, by the way. <laughs> right, he's yeah. oh he's he, so garbage. He's just like he's, <laughs> he's like the worst character. I know he's just like a giant. Like yeah, I don't want to be yeah, and I like that. I like that he's pushing everyone away. Honestly. Yeah, and but that's good because he's still compelling. So even though I oh, hate yeah. him, oh, yeah. I, I I still, I'll still read the hell out of him. So yeah, no, he's total like total dirtbag character. Yeah, yeah, no, and I even forgot to say like he like he had, he made out with um one of his to add even more drama. Add, he made out with one of Lauren's bandmates, the 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 redhead. I don't. She played bass player. No, she, I don't forget. I forget what instrument. Yeah. Oh, or drum something. I, I want to say drummer. I don't know. I'm sorry. I get I get the. It, I don't know. Like. This this book is not about music. I mean, it it's like in the background. Yeah. But it's not. It's about like relationships and it's kind of like yeah, kind of like you know Scott Pilgrim's technically been a band and fighting, but it's all about relationships and also had a dirtbag main character. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah. But like yeah, all the characters are like just have issues. Like like Jack, like just being so self centered and just like puffing his chest everywhere about the cute guys when he should be there for his friends, but. Even after they were hit there for him in the previous issue with with sketchy guy, yeah, exactly. Like and yeah, yeah. I mean, like everyone is definitely flawed in this book, which you know kind of makes it more like the romantic sitcom kind of feel for me because it's like I love these characters, but at the same time, why are they messing up so much? Like, <laughs> yeah, and I just and I like the dynamic like too because like no one no one has like their own because it's San Francisco like e- like one of the easy one of the most expensive places to live in the u.s so mm-hmm. yeah like yeah you're gonna you know you're gonna live with your if you and your sibling are cool like you're, yeah of course you're gonna live with them like yeah save money so totally. yeah it's really awesome like it's like you know gold tier slice of life like i think it's only supposed to run for five issues but hopefully we get a ghosted la situation and get more of it because these characters are so much fun like I kind of wish it was a web comic so I could hang out with them every day. Oops. Yeah. But that'd be cool. uh, I don't know if that'll be financially viable. So, all right. So we're going to move on to our main course and it is four kids walking to a bank by Matt Rosenberg, Tyler Moss, boss, Thomas Maurer from black mass studios. His book came out in 2017 and it was Brian's pick. Uh, so Brian, why did you, um, what'd you think of four kids walking to a bank and why did you pick it for this podcast? And also, Plot summary. Give a little plot summary, I guess. Sure, no problem. Making um, making you do a lot of work. Oh yeah, no, no worries. All the lifting. Uh, so, four kids walking the bank is is a dark comedy about bad ideas, um, and the people who have them, and also the terrible things that result from them. So, um, so Paige, who's the main character, I would say in this in the the story finds out that her father is planning on robbing a bank and decides the best way to prevent him from doing it is inexplicably for her and her three best friends to rob the bank instead. And so 
antics ensue, <laughs> ensue after that. Um, I chose the book because uh, it starts slow, but mm-hmm. it in the beginning, but it ends up developing and 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 ending in a very interesting manner. Um, it takes turns that you would not expect. Um, a lot of once again a lot a lot of bad decisions but compelling bad decisions so so it's entertaining to read even though you're like i totally disagree with what you just did there um the um as listeners also of previous episodes have heard me say before um i love it when comics mess with the medium of of comics and and just like use like uses the page and this book definitely tells a tale that wouldn't work outside of a comic unless they really change the format the change that just change the way it is and so it keeps it keeps the reader engaged and and it keeps them you know smiling even though it's a very dreary tale at the the roots of it yeah no no this is this is a really this is a really funny comic like laugh out loud moments like i think the first moment in this comic that i like laughed at was some reviewer hated on the scene, but screw them. Um, <laughs> um, was when Paige and the bully were having their little insult face off, and they use um, so like Rosen, Rosenberg and Boss do something that I think a lot, a lot of like you know more verbose writers. I'm not going to name names. <coughs> Brian Michael Bendis um, do they like break it out into little grids, mm-hmm. and that that gives you a better conversational rhythm. So you just like get. It just like it just build like it kind of builds momentum, and then you get the total like <laughs> like the to- it calls him calls him like like a like just a cum dumpster. Uh, it's it's a very yeah. It's just like and remember this is coming out of the mouth of a like an eleven or twelve year old girl, so it makes it even even that more like oh she did not just say that. And you get like a beat panel, and then you get the kid bringing up that her mother committed suicide, and then we get the first of many times that Paige beats the shit out of someone. Because that's what she does. Paige, wow. Paige is a force of nature. Like, <laughs> like, like literally, she's like running the show. Like, nothing would happen without her in this comic. Like, there would be, everyone would just like dick around and drink orange, spill orange soda and play Dungeons and Dragons. Like, so, she's yeah. Definitely yeah. 11 going on 30. For sure. Yeah, unfortunately. But no, no. So uh, for kids, I'm always really glad when Brian picked this book because I read this in single issues, like when it first came out three, four years ago. And there was a lot of hype around this book. And I think for the most, this book lived up to the hype. It is, as I mentioned and, and kind of talked about a little bit, it's very hilarious. It's a great, um, it's very hilarious. It, as Brian mentioned, it's a very creative use of layouts. Uh, it has a lot of, I know Darcy, if she had read this book, would like it. There's lots of like even silent sequences. Um, so you kind of see like lots of different bit, kinds of sides of the visual information, which would be really hard to do in film. Like I feel like in film, you can do things with like split screens and stuff, but with comics, you can kind of, you have like the whole, pl- like the plane, the, the visual plane to work with. So there's a scene where they're working three different things at once. Like they're trying to get, uh, at, they're trying to make some kind of chemical concoction. Uh, I think there's a, the, the character, uh, his name is Walter. He always plays female characters in every game they play. He's very quiet, but he's very good at science. So he's working on some chemical concoction. I, yeah, so, yeah, and also, yeah, like going back, the cast of characters is a lot of fun and they, have, they get really fleshed out and have a lot of personality. The robbers, not so much, but that kind of is the point. 
but the main characters, you know, we already mentioned Paige, Walter, um, Stretch is like the tall kid who, he, he reminds me, honestly, reminds me a lot when I was in middle school, because I was like 5'2 in like sixth grade, but in like seventh grade, I grew seven inches and was like 5'9, mm-hmm. and it's just, and it's just you're growing into your body, and like, you're taking up so much space than you're used to, and just getting used to that, and also like, your friends are still, most of your friends are still like shorter, I guess. Mm-hmm. So you're just trying to get used to that whole dynamic. And like, I think stretch like really embodies that. And then we get Berger, who's like the total asshole of the group. Uh, but he's <laughs> been through some shit and they like, I love how like, they'll just like drop bombs about his backstory without like in the back, like apparently his dad is in jail for tax evasion. Mm-hmm. And he, he pretty much his mom likes, he's, he's very, he's, you know, he's Jewish, but his, but his mom is like very like hands off. So he gets to like, call sex lines and stuff and like <laughs> get to do all kind like he has no like boundaries really and he just runs wild <laughs> he's the id character of this oh story. for sure um you can tell from like page one his character's name is like groin the moist or something yeah oh so like i'm explaining that is it's, it's part of the way you learn about these characters is every single uh issue uh except for the, the last issue um, starts with them playing something and or or you know like in the first issue they're playing like a, like a tabletop D type game and instead of the characters you know them sitting around a table it's the characters that they're playing um and and, and it has like a little label saying well this is growing the moist which is berger's character and and the you know and and then their dialogue is coming out of the the, the, their characters' mouths. So if you picked up this book, like the first time you pick up this book, you're like, is this a fantasy book? <laughs> because <laughs> it's like taking place and they're fighting a dragon, you know? So it's, um, it, it, yeah, that, that's what I mean by like the, the interesting medium. And then you get to learn about who the characters are. Like, like, cause like, why, why does Walter always choose a female character? And why does Paige always choose a male character? You know, it's like, that's, that's kind of a, an insight into their personality and just who they are. So, yeah, yeah, Paige, and also Paige has a thing with Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this book has so many, like, this is like definitely like lots of replay reread value because there's all kinds of little background details, either like plot dependent or just like random ones. Like they name all the street crossings after great comics creators or like their contemporaries. So like I think that the co-writer of uh, one of Rosenberg's other books, We Can Never Go Home, Ken- Patrick Kindlin as a storefront, but then later there's like Tardy and Pratt, which are Jacques Tardy and Hugo Pratt, two great uh, European creators. So towards the end also, uh, Grey Balkan and Yancey, which are both streets in the Marvel universe. Yeah, oh yeah, they, yeah. they go full, yeah, because it's and, a big climax. They go full full uh, fucking Marvel on us. Mm-hmm. And then and Principal Tanian, uh, or Tinian as yeah. well. Yeah, so. yeah, so it's, I mean, yeah, it's, it's fun. Like they, <laughs> they write a lot of like, really good background jokes and yeah i love i love the cold open of every the cold open because then the other one is the beat em up game and then then there's the rc cars and then oh shoot what's the other one it was the their, their plan on robbing the bank and they were all different little action figures yeah and one of the one of the bank patrons was a my little pony so they were trying to figure out so everyone was like why is there a pony in the bank you know because they couldn't really you know separate reality and fantasy right and, and then it, yeah yeah for sure and yeah that's the thing like they're like they're there's st- like i think one thing i like about rosenberg is he doesn't write them like small adults 
I mean, there's some moments, but like, but I mean, it's, but it's cause this is a very stylized book. It's very, I think people compared it to like Reservoir Dogs and the Goonies and stuff. And so it's definitely very stylized, but they, they like act like kids and like react like kids, especially the ones not named Paige. Like, like, like Stretch, he's like the voice of reason. He's like, no, we're not gonna go to this Nazi dude's house and look around. Like, no, we're not gonna start a fight with him. No, we're not gonna rub a bank. We're yeah. in, in seventh grade. No, and they're and in total kid logic during the whole thing too. Even Paige, you know, has total kid logic, and um, you know she's trying to act like an adult, and but she's definitely not. You know, she's more mature than her than her age would would tell her she would be, but um, she's definitely still a kid. Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, I mean, she's like super competent, but then yeah, but then you know, you get the last issue where she's on the run from the cops. Oh man, she just totally unravels. Yeah. That's crazy. And then, yeah, and then even early on, like when they're even thinking about robbing the bank, like mm-hmm. and then all the, and you get that big, you kind of get that seventh grade version of an intervention in the 1980s. Cause they, they talk, they use like the ham radios a lot. Um, yes. And which, yeah, which is another, you know, good, they use the grids basically to show how terrible they are at communicating on them. Oh man, the the first time where where they're trying to keep the words over confused and they don't know what their names their code names are, and then Captain Glory Hole, which is oh, like God. this old which creepy old drug dealer man, pop, right. pops up in the middle of their conversation, and he and he ends up being like pretty integral to the plot too. Yeah, totally. Like, he's no throwaway character for better, or mostly worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like he's so bad. Like like when I see yeah, like when Paige goes over to him trying to get the gun, I'm like. Oh, that you just crossed the line, man. And also, yeah. it's like scary, like, but but she's in that mode where she's like, I've kicked you know the asses of these criminals. I got my uncles on the police force. Like he'll he is my back uh-huh. until I break every law ever. Until mm-hmm. yeah. he shoots, she shoots his partner. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, Dang. it's yeah. so bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it it gets. It, it unravels fast and it and hard. <laughs> yeah, that fifth issue is just that final issue is just like it's definitely very reservoir dogs. It's just like everything has gone bad. It's like reservoir dogs of little kids. Everything's mm-hmm. gone bad. Like like they, they thought they got the diamonds, but they didn't. And they like they, they thought that the watches were synced up, but it's just all these little mistakes. But you see, you know, yeah. you see it coming because they, they can't even successfully play a game of Dungeons and Dragons together, much less rob a bank. Like exactly. Honestly, just kudos to them for getting that far. And I like how it starts with a fantasy in the beginning where they're in a flying van escaping from the police and and it kind of shows like them being successful with all of the the characters that they've played during their fantasies. Oh yeah. previous fantasies. So um I think that's kind of a cool way to start it. But then all of a sudden it's like like because you're wondering why like Berger is not getting out of the, out of the car, and that he's he's covered in ketchup in the fantasy, but then you find out later that it's because he got got shot. I know and, that was wild. That was such oh, a yeah such a good twist. Because you're like ketchup makes sense. I mean, dudes dudes eating hunts twenty four seven. I mean, he might have yeah. been like you know stop to stop out by the hot dog stand before they rob the bank, but no, like yeah, she he totally shot. would do it too. <laughs> Seen his cr- he's just so oh, I know yeah. he, he's I mean he's very I mean. So like yeah, this book uses a lot of slurs and stuff, and it <laughs> does. It, I mean, Berger uses the R word in the beginning, and yeah, that, but he's not a likable 
character. I mean, he's supposed to be a, a dick. So right, right. I mean, he gets pulled out of it all the time. Yeah. yeah. And um, and I'll, I I do like it though. Like whenever something is about to happen to kids, because you know the cardinal rule about like storytelling, you never hurt, you never kill a kid in a story. And so yeah. whenever whenever something that harm really harmful happens to a kid, there's like a, a warning and a reminder in one of the yeah. panels. This is like all, under almost no circumstance it is it okay to kill a little kid or shoot a little kid. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's really good. Yeah. There's like a lot of um yeah, Rosenberg throws in a lot of kind of like funny asides and stuff and yeah. At the beginning, especially when they have like the D and D stuff, it can be a little information overload. But when he like blocks out the whole panel and just does that text, like it's great because it's kind of like, yeah, like we want the little kid, you know, we want to see Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone kicking the adult's ass. We don't want them to be, you know, sucker punched and bleeding and stuff. That's like really fucked up, you know, but. Exactly. And the one part that when the, the, the bank robbers beat up Paige's friends, the rest of the group, you don't see that. You just see the aftermath. So, you know, that's, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you're like, oh no, but then yeah. yeah. So yeah, there's there's some restraint, um, but I think it's also playing playing to the audience. Like, <laughs> the readers don't want to see these kids getting their ass because no, they want you. You want to see them burn down a house. Oh yeah, that was so cool. Yeah. Oh, and the one bank robber who gets the brunt of every single attack. You know, like he gets he gets shot in the eye with an action figure, and then he gets burnt. Uh, you know, like he gets he gets set on fire. Oh and, yeah, yeah. It's the same guy every time. <laughs> so like through the throughout the entire book, he starts out like totally fine, and healthy, and then at the end of at the end of the story, he's totally bandaged up and he's an eye patch and he's like just worse for wear because everything that happens happens to him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's just like this book loves to run the, the do the running jokes and it's a Looney Tunes like, everything pays off thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of Looney Tunes logic going on here, but and it's okay. It's yeah. It fits the tone of the book a lot. It does, totally. And also with the tone, I mean, every chapter has a name uh, that's kind of based on something from, like, from crime, like crime movies. Like, yeah. chapter one's called As Far Back as Lunchtime. I always wanted to be a gangster. Oh, it's just totally good fellas, you know? Right, so. yeah. I mean, when I saw that, I'm like, yeah, this is going to be a great reread. <laughs> yeah. But I think when I initially read it, actually, I think when I first, no, I seen, I don't know. I think when I first read it, I hadn't seen Goodfellas yet. Oh, maybe I don't know. Oops, that's like you've seen, you've seen it now though, right? Yeah, so. I've seen it now and I love it. So, okay, good, good, good. yeah, this is like four years ago, but I don't think I had seen Goodfellas when I read the first issue of this comic. Oops, that's a great movie. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's it's cool, and I mean, and 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 I like how like personal the stakes end up being because at first you just think like it's gonna be, you know, them just doing it for. For, for shits and giggles, because that's what they like to do. They like to get in trouble. They like to do stupid shit. But yeah. then you get, then you see that big moment at the end of, I forget what chapter it is, like maybe chapter three, three, three or four. I think chapter was... three. Yeah, chapter three, when Paige like shows this like passport, fake passport. And that the reason why she wants to prevent her dad from buying the bank is she wants to, you know, she's, she's built up a friend group and she doesn't want to move to fucking Canada. And, I think that was really interesting too because you're left with the idea that Paige is doing this for her dad and she he, she doesn't want anything bad to happen to him until that moment it's like oh wait she has selfish reasons for this as well because she doesn't want to move away from her friends 
So I thought that was interesting. It kind of changed the perspective of the character. Yeah, I think that's that's why she's so hardcore about it. That's why she's like, want like ends up you know going, you know, risking it all because she's like, yeah, you know, if they they rob this bank, like, I'm do- I'm done. I'm gone. My life is over. Like like I moved a lot when I was a kid, and it's it's tough, man. You like build up these relationships, and then you know you get them stripped away. Uh, <laughs> so I could definitely, I could definitely, you know. I mean, my, my, my dad isn't a bank robber, but I could definitely relate. Like you, like you yeah. built up a friend group and then you got to leave. And you can't do anything about it. I mean, I mean, I, I didn't, you know, try to get my dad, like try to fuck with my, like my dad's new job or something. But, exactly. Yeah. But, um, also um, the LBJ recurring joke where everyone had a, uh, a different meaning of those, of those three, those three letters. You know, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like the, the bank robber thought it was Spanish blowjobs because it was LBJ. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, and then and I, then uh, Walter thinks it's some science. Oh yes. yeah, and they like they handle like the science shit in a really creative, fun way. Like yeah, like this they're, they're doing this crazy chemistry stuff, but like it's just they, they they he draws it like um Tyler Boss draws it like like an old like an old school like video like old science instruction video. And then he just like throws in like the lettering in this book is so clever because like there's different sound like the sound effects like mm-hmm. I think when she when uh, Paige hits a bully with a pizza it says Sabaro, and and like when uh because uh, Walter throws up a lot too because he's just he's just a nervous he's he he's a nervous little guy he and he like and he throws up orange soda and says Fanta and it's just it's just really clever and it's just something you can only really do in comics I think like like Scott Pilgrim the movie did that a little bit. But yeah. it just works like, I mean, it's, Scott Pilgrim is like one, like very rare, um, but it just works so much better in comics. But Scott Pilgrim does it because it's based on the comic. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And, and it, it just, and it just works. Feeling. Yeah. yeah. No, or like the, the truth serum when, or when um, she throws, it's a drug and she throws it on Berger and, and it just says drugs, <laughs> you know, like, as it's going through the air. So I, yeah. No, totally. Oh, speaking of um, of references, you know, to like um, uh, to other comics and other creators and stuff like that. Did you notice that the clock um, and the last issue was the Doomsday Clock from Watchmen? No way. Yeah, it's it's a, it's black and yellow, and it's the no same font. Way. Yeah, it's I, I didn't notice the first time I read it, and the time when I read it, I'm like, oh my god, that's totally Doomsday Clock. And then, which is also foretelling, because this is right before all the shit hits the fan. So. <laughs> Yeah, so and you know, watch, and it kind of has a similar, like, you know, they make it out, like, some characters make it out, but their world yeah. is completely changed. No, totally. Which I think, yeah, it's, it's a good, it's a, I think it's a, it's a really good ending. Um, yeah, it was definitely a twist, you know, like, here, let me, let's show you. Oh, my God, you're, oh, my God, that is, yeah, that's Watchmen, well. I know podcasts are not a visual meeting meeting, but I just showed the the panel yeah, of Logan <laughs> so. for sure. Well, yeah, because 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 uh, earlier I think in the second issue when they're doing that, like they get some good jokes out of the clocks because when they're doing the stakeout for the first time, mm-hmm. and and you get you get because Berger like when he's bored he just like straight up he just like runs his mouth about like just he just talks about like he just random eighties pop culture references, just random bodily functions. He just like he he he, he does like his own like. Like, I feel like if he lived in in the 21st century, he would be, like, a big-time, like, YouTuber, blogger guy. 
Yeah, if no one's gonna entertain him, he's gonna entertain himself. Yeah, for sure. That's what happens. But then it's funny because you can like look at the clock and see how long they've actually been out. Like you can follow the clock hands. They've only been, you know, yeah. on the stakeout for fifteen minutes. And so. then yeah, it seems like it's like ten hours to to merger. But stakeouts are boring for mm-hmm. sure. They're also yeah, they're a recurring theme. I mean, yeah, because Uncle Bruce goes on one too, and. <laughs> It's really, yeah, it's interesting to see, like, the kids are, like, following the, the trail of the robbers and stuff, but then, like, like the actual, like, adult cops are just, like, yeah, we're on it. We know about these guys. Like, whatever. <laughs> exactly. They're a little more blasé about it. Yeah. They're, like, yeah, this is our, we're literally, we went to the academy, we, we get paid to do this. Yeah. This and it kind of reminds you a lot, like, when you're a kid, you think you can do, like, cool shit. Like, you can, like, be, like, you could, um like, steal your parents' car and, like, go on an adventure or like beat up random people or I don't know, like do crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. But, but like in reality, like you can't at all. You can't even reach the pedals of the getaway car. Nope. I looked at their, yeah, like God, Berger with the cinder blocks. The, the cinder block. Oh my God. He just, he's just in his own world, this entire comic. He, oh, like, yeah. If you were to if you were to cut this comic and by his perspective, it would be a completely different comic. Yeah, no, it's yeah, it's great. If you just read all his panels, just everything is just like over the top, and people have like secret plans without him and stuff. <laughs> and he no the and the probably my favorite moment with him is Paige is working on something, and Walter is working on something, and like no 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 stretch. Stretch and Walter are both working. Stretch is working on something in the wood shop. Walter is working on something in the chem lab. And like for somehow, you know, the magic of comic books, um, Berger is at like both places at once. Mm-hmm. Like, cause he's just up in everyone's, that's his, that's his deal. He's in everyone's business exactly. all the time. Cause he's, cause he, you know, cause he's, he's like serious abandonment issues. Like, and, and I, and I like that, you know, like without, you know, making this a big, you know, after school special, like Rosenberg and boss kind of hinted stuff like that he's going on in his life. Like he did his, his home life isn't good at all. And he just wants to be out with other people and, um, or he's going to be stuck in his room trying to call like phone sex lines mm-hmm. and stuff. His friends are know. definitely his family. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. And, and you can and, see it pretty early on. Cause he's like, he, he like, it's like a night, you know, where usually the kids, you know, get off the bikes, run away. And Berger's like the next door neighbor, and he just wants to crash at Pages. Yeah, and he doesn't even have like a crush on her or anything. He just wants to not be at his house. That's one thing I really like about this too is that there's no romantic undertone in this book, and like because a lot of times when you do like you know stories about kids, and especially if there's two you know two members of the opposite sex, they they have to have a crush on someone, you know. But no, this was awesome. Oh, I feel like definitely feel like Stretch has a little bit of a thing for Paige. Yeah, and then Berger draws Paige naked <laughs> as well. Yeah, so, but that's but, just but, him, but act, still, that's him acting out for sure. Yeah, it's 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 kids. It's you know stalker, weird, creepy stuff. It's but still. It, it's, it's like adolescent sexuality stuff. Yeah, it's kids stuff, before yeah. the internet, right? Mm-hmm. The Playboy in the woods, like like exactly. oh my gosh, Walter getting distracted by the porno mag when they're mm-hmm. supposed to be like. It like covers his entire body when yes. you're supposed to be like, like, like looking for clues. I love how Walter has anime eyes every time. Oh man! Oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh, he sees a woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's great. You know, 
Um, one thing I have to do say is that because Walter, they, they show Walter talking um, at a very low tone by having his font and his word bubbles very small. Um, I read a physical copy of this and I, it, that, it got kind of straining my eyes, but I mean, it makes sense for the character. It's not like, it wasn't like a publisher mistake or anything like that. Mm, so, nope. but, yeah. but I, I definitely, I get a, get a physical copy of it. It's definitely good to have in your collection, but also, you know, if you have hard as hard of seeing like I am, definitely uh, get the um, the digital version so you can zoom in. Yeah, that's yeah, because like with the dig, I have the dig, I have the digital version, um, but so like it kind of cut off that the two page spreads didn't look as good, but I could like some sometimes I did his voice is so small and he's using such a big words, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's like. Yeah, it is. It's one of those like kind of like comics do them all the time for soft-spoken characters. I think I remember, I think the first time I remember seeing it was in uh, Grant Morrison's JLA when he used it for Aquaman because Aquaman was so used to, or it was either Grant Morrison, one of the Grant Morrison or, J, or Mark Wade JLA stories from the '90s, where he was so. I think it was it was it was a JLA year one for Mark so, Wade. Yeah, and, and uh, he's yeah. so hard of hearing because he's used to he speaks so softly because he's used to being in the ocean with the like the vacuum so he's like really his red balloons are really small even though he's like you know fucking aquaman mm-hmm. which is a clever yeah. idea what did you think about like all the cool cutaway diagram panels and uh layouts and stuff oh i thought that yeah i thought it was pretty cool like um like i like the blueprints and and as well as like like when they're going when um pace breaks into the bully's house turgill's house Oh gosh! And and they and they show essentially the entire house and the cutaways so that you can kind of see where every character is, um, you know. So I, yeah, I think that that's a pretty pretty clever way to kind of get a lot of information in on one page. Um, I oh, uh, secret uh, hero of the book as well as the uh, I forgot his name the um, the the foreign exchange student who comes comes to bat a couple times even though he doesn't speak english yeah see that was i that i know i know it's you know i know it's like a total reference to like what's the character's name long duck dong yeah from like a john hughes movie yeah yeah i know it's like the reference to that but it's just it's really like and you know it's kind of funny too like but it's it's also kind of just like just rub me the wrong way for sure I, I think because it was to me he was very ambiguous in where he came from, like if they made it more obvious like and specific, then it they would I think it would be more that would be the more hurtful thing. Yeah. But for 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 me, since it was kind of he was just just a random guy, and they really were never mean to him. He just they just used him because he could just stand in the place and and distract people because yeah when and then you get the scene where and like i think his introduction is really really cool because because <laughs> you show how like how you know clueless we already see him you know we always saw mr turner you know burning the food and stuff but i mean that's like a typical like oh the dad can't cook thing mm-hmm. but but then you see him like oh yeah and i got a foreign exchange like there's some there's a kid the child in the back of his car that he doesn't introduce that you have no context for he's like oh yeah we got a foreign exchange student like just it's just like they're having a full-on argument, and then Paige has to go, "Who is that?" <laughs> like, yeah. So it just kind of shows how just stressed out, and also just like how clueless he is. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I think he's good. He has good intentions, but he's also just has a huge millstone of his past, like weighing on him. And, well, definitely. And but yeah, but like he's like a cool, like he's a cool dad, but yeah, maybe he should be less cool because like like there's that running joke about like how Paige is grounded, but like he, he, he never it's never enforced because he's too busy doing his own thing. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, honestly, I feel for him because you know he's a single dad with a criminal past mm-hmm. who's also struggling with mortgage. Like I feel really. I feel really bad for him. Like, I honestly really, sim- I mean, fuck Banks. I mean, they, like, I really sympathize with them, even though, like, the criminals are really, like, they make the criminals, like, as worse. Like, these are, there's no ambiguity at all. These are terrible people, like, especially the Nazi guy who's obsessed. Yeah, with a literal swastika on his, on his uh, cheek. I mean, there's no, there's no subtlety. Yeah, they're just like, <laughs> which is good, because, I mean, uh-huh, people, I mean, we just not. I mean, this just came out like 2016, but like, yeah, now we have people like selling Nazi shit in the streets of DC and stuff. Like, <laughs> so, yeah. But but yeah, it's yeah. He's and he's just a good. He's a good little punching bag, like for sure. Because he doesn't say much. He's like he, just like does those he say a word. I don't think he even says a word in this. I think book. you're right, man. I think you're right for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this is this is just oh man. It's like. It feels a lot like a like a like a fun like eighties meets like early nineties like romp. But it but it's just like done in like just such a unique way you can only done in comics, which is just it just hits all kinds of fun like fun spots for sure. And the heist like lives up to the hype in a different way than you think, but <laughs> it's a fun heist. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, totally. I mean Batman shows up. <laughs> right the costumes are amazing like doing it on halloween is ingenious because you get just yeah. an amazing comedy moment of them like trick-or-treat and then they just like get the get the water guns out and totally like pulp fiction like this is a robbery <laughs> you know like... yeah oh, yeah there's oh there's i mean there's a lot there's a lot of like early tarantino in this which is cool because mm-hmm. one of the variant covers has a has a done the, like the jack the iconic jackie brown poster Mm-hmm. Like I know, like this is like Tarantino for kids, which is just like <laughs> it is Tarantino Junior, right? And then also the, it's a lot of um, and they also borrow like like plot elements and stuff and dialogue from other like you know movies and comics too, but make a cool original mixture, kind of like Tarantino. So that's mm-hmm. yeah, it was a good. I think I think Karen Gillan in the in the blurb compared it to Tarantino and Goonies apparently. Yeah, because the kids are just so like. They would probably, if this was made into something, they would be like the Goonie kids, where they're constantly yelling. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. At least Berger would be constantly yelling. Yeah, and it's wild because this book. uh, I think we were talking about this before the show. This book came out around the same time as Stranger Things, but Mm -hmm. I think it's it's a lot better. You know, it's funny. I never watched Stranger Things yet, so one of these days. Well, this is and this is also like Stranger Things number one, season one, when they were pretty much trying to rip off every the plot of every '80s movie and fit cram in every reference. Which I think this book is more, I don't know, it's more low key about that. Like it's set in the '80s, but it just it's just it's like a cool, it's cool. It's like not what it's about. It's like a cool, you know, background color. Like they meet at the pizza parlor. They play old arcade games. They they play with old like they 
like there's a scene where the, the with the toys and it looks like an old uh, comic book ad. They just use it for you know, and then then you then it's always an excuse to have that great day glow color palette too. No, totally. Like any any excuse to do eighties colors. And they never mentioned it's the eighties, but you can tell just by the way everything's designed and the the colors, like you were saying. So you know, so it kind of get it has a kind of a time out of place kind of yeah feel but at the same time it's it's totally 80s and it's totally based on 80s you know both spielberg and and scorsese movies for sure and and yeah and then, and then there's like yeah and then it's and then you get dialogue from star wars when they're trying to trying to lead off the the uh um, the cops but it's just like but it, but it's it, it's cool it's also very like kind of character like like when you're a kid like you want to say something cool and badass in a situation you're not gonna make it off the top of your head you're gonna rip it off from the movie you saw last Solo. Week, which <laughs> cool I mean, it's, it's star wars and then like i mean yeah. my, my dad grew up during that time and he said he saw star wars like 12 times in theaters because back then like they didn't have you know you didn't have netflix and mm-hmm. access to content all the time you had to literally go to the movie theater and watch it over and over again oh yeah like like i mean i was born in 80 and and like I it was word it was word of mouth like on the on the um on the the playground like about nice. what happens in, in Star Wars and stuff like that until like it finally came out VHS when like I was eight or nine and finally That's got to really wa- watch it because it was on TV every once in a while but it was just never the same and like I had severe ADD and I still do <laughs> and but so I could never really sit down through commercials and watch this thing so I've right. seen part I had seen parts of it and it wasn't until I was able to watch the movie all in one piece so yeah. no totally and kids these days have it so easy because they got all the shows and cartoons and prequels and <laughs> i'm just being well yeah no no like no that's the thing like yeah it's kind of interesting like like there's this this is kind of like this there's this like oral kind of this oral tradition of like mm-hmm. like you yeah like i even i mean i don't know i'm like i'm i'm a 90s kid and i so i had like the internet i could like look up stuff on like the internet and stuff from like you know middle of elementary school but there's still that kind of like kids on the on the playground would say stuff about a movie I'd never seen and like it would be cool. Th- it was like this kind of oral like in it would yeah. be like their take and I don't think you get that as much anymore. And there'd be like like you you would like accidentally see something on HBO and and then since there was no like channel check you know like on on or menu on the um, TV you would never know what t- movie that was because you caught in the middle of it so you'd go to the playground the next day and be like oh my god there was this movie where like you know like the guy from ET was like being attacked by a uh, by by a bulldozer you know it's like oh you know and no one knows what you're talking about you know so it's like so yeah and you don't find it until you know 15 years later yeah and like I am I am yeah or you see it you know it pops up again exactly yeah it's just yeah everything just like it was a more more ephemeral more more like analog ephemeral just yeah you could see something and never see it again totally so i think that's that's why I like those reference oh man am i am i doing like the plot of ready player one right now obviously <laughs> like that's why like those references were more cherished 80s isn't it great but but i feel like but I feel like Rosenberg and Bosch just like don't they don't get weight like ever weighed down by it. They just use no. it the story and Abs- to make absolutely. things look cool. And uh, this is not a love story to the eighties. Yeah, but, no. By all means, it's it's just a it's just a fun crime story with kids mm-hmm. and not YA. <laughs> no, no, um, at all. But but it, the thing is, they talk like kids. Like I mean, it's 
like I don't know what kids in the '80s talk like, but just the way the way they talk to each other and the language they use is a lot more like I feel like yeah I feel like sometimes I read YA books and I'm like these kids should be swearing more. (laughs) Yeah, I know you know they're trying to make have like an audience. They don't want the parents to get mad, but but like I don't know. That's why I like that movie Good Boys that came out like last summer Mm because it was just I mean it was very you know over the top obviously, but like just the way the kids talked, I'm like. So kids talk, like, yeah. <laughs> like, like I used to sub for a high school, and like that's how that's how kids talk. Like kids swear a lot. I mean, <laughs> and I assume mm-hmm. they did in the eighties. I wasn't, you know, a kid in the eighties, but I assume they did in the eighties too. We did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, cool, yeah. Oh man, I could I could talk about this book all night. But did you have any last thoughts? Anything we didn't cover? Uh, actually, I'm looking through my notes, and no. Um, we got really everything, you know. Um, yeah. And I can't think of anything else. It's just it. It's it, it's definitely read through the first issue and and keep on reading because the first issue, like at least to me, was a little exposition heavy and a little little sloggy. But just after that, it's it's all downhill. It's the top. It's going up the roller coaster in the first issue, and then you just go down for the rest of the rest of the series. So. Yeah, chapter one definitely is more meandery. Like, it doesn't have, like, a focus as much. Um, and also, like, the reveal is kind of a... It's just like, oh, duh, he's a criminal. Like, you don't have to save that for the final reel kind of deal. <laughs> like, it's pretty... I mean, I had already read it before, but I, I think it's pretty telegraphed. But, like, it's not... Like, as far as first issues, it's, like, not that bad. Like, you definitely feel like you get your money's worth because there's lots of cool layouts, lots of yeah. lots of good jokes, lots of good dialogue. Um cool like just cool art things to like you kind of see boss start to flex Tyler boss flex a little bit um so you definitely feel like you get your money's worth and, and then there's all kinds of like little mini adventures you get the whole dynamic with the bullies and everything mm-hmm. and, and i just I love everything yeah and then he connects with his mom and his mom is like this his mom is a, like this just rosenberg and boss like they use they use every part of the buffalo like they i mean they they straight up like characters that just in any other book would maybe be just be some random comedy character. Like I mentioned this earlier, Captain Gloria Holt, like Turgill's mom works the bank as his teller, talks a lot, but like gives just enough information that to be key to the heist. Mm-hmm. It's like you get through the, the whole, like the talk, talk, like all the basic bullshit about working in a bank. And I'm like, God, I don't work. This is so boring. <laughs> but I mean, you know, every job has like boring parts, obviously. Or sorry, 90%. Yeah. So you're just like, and then, and then she does like rapid fire dialogues, like all the obvious like crime questions. <laughs> just, yeah. Yeah. So it's just like every side character, little Ida, it's just, oh, it's just so well crafted. And then you get issue five is just a nonstop roller coaster ride. Like, <laughs> like I kind of want to like, after I stop recording, go back and read issue five again. Cause it's just like, this is how you do a heist in comics exactly yeah so this is special i would totally recommend this book especially if you know have a soft spot for for 80s but don't like being pandered to mm-hmm. with nostalgia but just want and then it, it, and yeah if you want like a, something a little different with your like different kind of different crime story like it's definitely worth checking out or just kind of watch a couple master comic storytellers like go at it because um, yeah even if you don't like the story it just they do so many fun things with the page it's worth checking out for sure like like the page plus like analog technology like the whole scene with the the hacking 
like it's cool to see like a hacking scene but you also like instead of doing like like really stylized you see like the limitations so she has to drag it here and she has to use a floppy disk and it's just like kind of adds to the tension because you're like you know in the old days now you could just like throw it in a throw it in a dropbox throw it in a messenger email it to yourself and now back then you had to like be more you know skilled so yeah, oh, oh, oh okay. actually, I do have I, something I, I I didn't mention before is that uh, Boss's artwork is actually really similar uh, to at least to me to um, um, David Aja's work on the uh, Hawkeye Matt Fraction. Oh, for sure, yeah, yeah, and and they kind of has the same. The, the, those two stories do kind of the same feel because there's you know hapless losers and situations that are making the the worst decisions. <laughs> right so. right for sure yeah and then yeah they, they just and they both use the like the page is just very the way they lay out the page is very connected to the storytelling and but also very good facial expressions really good like visual comedy i think like i think also like i see a lot of steve lieber in in tyler mm-hmm. boss too and he's like the, he's like kind of the, the modern master of, of visual comedy and comics um he can he can make you laugh from one detail and then also like just the colors like i think i mentioned this earlier just really flat colors that instantly give you the, the mood of the scene, which is like, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of the flat colors. Like, I don't like the heavily rendered trying to make everything look like it actually happens, especially for these kind of like over the top kind of stories. Exactly. Like it just doesn't work for me at all. And like, it's even worse than people do it for the show with superheroes. It's just like, no, I don't need it to look like a video game cutscene. No. So. But totally it's, it's an interpretive medium. You know, you don't need everything to be one way. Right. You just get like the, you get the flat, quick colors. and Exactly. You can immediately get, get the, gauge the tone of the scene. And so yeah, so we, we, yeah, but we both really like this comic a lot. You should check it out for sure. I give it five stars on Goodreads. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, cool. So yeah, so we're going to move on to our next segment, um, Looking Forward. Uh, so Brian, which uh, indie comics are you looking forward to this week? Well, I I didn't notice this until I looked at, at um, the show notes. I have a theme going on this week. Um, my my quick hit was we only find them when they're dead, and then we did four kids walk into a bank, which are both sentence titles. And my looking forward is a girl walks alone at night. Number one from the Human sen- Comics. Are these sentence titles? Or are they emo song titles? It could be also both, <laughs> definitely. Um, so yeah, it's it's no. Oh, first uh, writer is Anna. Lily Amarapur and uh, art is done by Michael DeWeese um, Behemoth Comics I, I might not have said that the first time but it's um, so yeah it's no longer horror season but this you know no reason to stop reading horror books especially if they're good especially exactly. yeah, especially if they're written from different perspectives than what you're used to reading um, especially when it comes to horror sometimes horror tends to have one perspective um, so it's always nice to get something different like in these savage shores and, and whatnot um, but this is basically a, a vampire tale about a vampire just known as the girl who stalks this area in Iran called the bad city which is basically according to the blurb about the comic the bastion of depravity and hopelessness mm. so so it, it it's it sounds definitely up my alley. Um, I love vampire representation, you know, <laughs> which is pretty cool as well. Um, the, the cover is just black, white, and red, and it's kind of this weird 
it's like um like very sketchy drawing not you know not precise of of something you would kind of see in a in a horror movie of of a of a, a vampire in a burka with like a red mouth like from from um you know attacking somebody okay so i think i know where i've heard of this one it's this is originally a movie is it it was a um i think it's yeah it's an adaptation yeah so this was it's a translation of a comic based on a movie a persian Mm -hmm. um horror film um or the director is american because i'm like this looks so familiar and you're talking the the about the plot to me and i'm like this yeah so wow so this is so cool my apologies i said burka i meant hijab um i just want i do apologize but it's but no if it's uh, it it, is where was the movie made do you know or was it is this a middle eastern movie no i think the director is um she's a she's iranian american she's iranian american but um but yeah it's i mean set in iran so very cool yeah no it's cool and 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 like and she says that yeah she's like was inspired by sin city and comics so that's why i guess it's kind of, kind of returning to its roots with this. So that's cool. Because I'm like, man, cool. this this like this sounds so familiar. So this is like <laughs> a translation of of a book that came out like six years ago. So I know, yeah. Which is, but which is cool. I mean, it's it's good that you know it's being released to a larger audience. No, totally. Um, yeah, or a reprint or something. I don't know. It's yeah, cool. I, I like definitely want to check it out. Like I remember the movie. The movie got tons of hype. Um, she also did the uh, the Bad Batch. Okay. Um, she's like a like a kind of a grindhouse. Amber Poor is like a, a grindhouse filmmaker, and it's good. Yeah, she wrote the comic too. So that's awesome. Because yeah. yeah, I did not know that, and I'm gonna have to track down the movie as well. And yeah, and check it, it was, out. It was it got some good hype for sure. It made like no money, but it got some. It was really big at the festivals, and like genre fans loved it a lot. Oh. So yeah, I'm like, cause you're like, it looks like a movie poster, and I'm like, I think it was. <laughs> yeah really you see that yeah so it's, that's cool man uh that sounds really cool and yeah I definitely cool. want to read it and watch it too all right yeah and then my my quick hit i had to you know i mean my looking forward <laughs> um i did stick with black mask so uh, i've, I've kind of noticed recently that black mask has been uh reprinting or a lot of their or or collecting a lot of their older material into trade paperbacks and so what came out, one of the ones that came, is coming out recently is uh, 12 Reasons to Die. And I think this was one of the first Black Mask comics. Because um, the first Black Mask book I read was We Can Never Go Home, also written by Matt Rosenberg. Uh, and 12 Reasons to Die. So it's it's a idea comes from uh, the member of the Wu-Tang Clan, Ghostface Killer. And also the RZA is involved in creating it. Because there is, I think there is a soundtrack uh, connected to the comic. And it's basically like a crime story. Um, this this uh, like assassin is resurrected and has to take down 12 crime bosses. So it's like a uh, kind of horror revenge thriller. And the writer is Matt Rosenberg and Patrick Kinlan, who we talked about. We talked a lot about Matt Rosenberg on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And also what really drew me to this book is the artist. So there's not just one art. It's, it's pretty much like a fucking murderer's row of like, indie comics like artists there's so many they like if you, i like had to take them off the show notes because there's so many on there 
you guys like Ronald Wimberly, Joel Jones, Jim Mahfoud, Benjamin Mara, like so many great um, creators. So I'm just really excited because I like I like Wu Tang a lot, and I'm excited to see what they what Ghost you know Ghostface brings to the comics medium. And because I know Method Man has written some some books yes. from Marvel, <laughs> like so I'm really interested to see like just this concept um, acted out in comics and just also just. I don't know. Like I'm a I'm a big sucker for a jam comic, so mm -hmm. I guess this could be like one big big jam crime, supernatural thing. So I'm really really excited. Um, and yeah, I mean if you if you listen to Wu Tang songs, like I mean they're obviously really influenced by you know old martial arts movies, old like uh, Shambara samurai movies. But they also love comics too. Yeah, they're so, big I nerds. Mean, Tony Stark's. I mean, like come on. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, Ghostface Killer. Like yeah, Tony Stark's and. He had a, he had a cameo that was cut from the first Iron Man movie. Because mm. he, I mean, I feel like he kept Iron Man alive in the 90s. Yeah, I could totally see that. Like, like dude was, a, I mean, dude was, you know, he was in some of the fighting game. And this is just from, you know, this is just from just kind of outside looking in. So, yeah, he was in the fighting games. And then, you know, Ghostface Killer would, you know, Tony Starks would, you know, rap about him in his songs. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, so yeah, it, it looks cool. Um, I didn't read it when it first came out, so I'm glad it um, got reprinted. And, yeah. No, totally. I good to know as well, and definitely always want to pick up something with uh, like Joel Jones and drawing it. So yeah, no, there's so yeah, so many good artists on it. Like I didn't, I didn't even mention them all. And yeah, and I think it's a, it's one of first one of Matt Rosenberg's first comics too. Oh, cool. So kind of cool. get a little was, like. Oh, oh, sorry. Uh, was this was Four Kids Walking the Bank like his first comic? Mm, no he did um okay. four kids he did a lot before okay the first ones he, he uh he might have been involved with occupy comics from black mask but the first ones i i mean the first one i read by him was we can never go home but 12 reasons to die came out before that and okay. he was, i think he was doing yeah because i actually interviewed him around the time four kids was coming out and he was doing some some books from marvel like rocket raccoon and kingpin and secret warriors which were all and good books that i i i learned about him from his x books that he did right before the big oh, reboot um so i i i was i was kind of not privy of his early work yeah. so that's really cool definitely yeah no it's it's cool that's and that's all one thing i like about black mask and kind of just like i mean well, it's not their fault that like you know bigger companies take their creators but like yeah like you like black mask really exposed me to a lot of good creators before you know i think another another big one is uh, amaki nahulpan Mm -hmm. I mispronouncing his last name. He did Young Terrorist, Collects It, Clandestino, all these awesome politically charged punk rock exploitation books for um, for a black mask. And then, yeah, then he got snapped up by, he's done a lot of stuff for DC. And he's on Justice League Dark now. And that book's gorgeous. So It is. It's a great book. At least, yeah. So, yeah, like it's, the black mask is great and I'm glad they're, they're reprinting some of this older material. So, yay. So that is the end of the episode. Um, you can find our podcast on all your podcatchers, Spotify, Google Podcast, iTunes, some random ones I, I don't forget the name of. Just follow. And if there's an option for a review, leave us a review. Lead us some constructive criticism, or you can totally just like bash the show if you want, whatever. <laughs> um, you can also email us at better at gmail.com. And we also have a website that is maintained by Brian, comicsisarebetter.wordpress.com, where you can suggest um, a comic for us to cover on the show. So that's, that's cool.
and just or also just you know leave feedback if you want and yep and then you can follow us on twitter or maybe our main social media at cdb pod uh brian where can folks find you on social media um i can be found at um on twitter at um bryjan2814 <laughs> i totally forgot my my handle there for a second uh bryjan2814 and i can also be uh found um in instagram at uh, bryjan underscore cb um all our and all our social stuff is is um is on the website as well as logan had mentioned um darcy who um, hopefully will come back very soon oh. um her twitter is um is books and cereal and um i websites i believe is books and cereal dot wordpress.com if i remember correctly yeah it's correct but yep so definitely check that out as well and darcy come back we miss you oh cute um you can follow me at midnighter bay bae on twitter and pride parker on instagram i'm, I'm trying to share more. i'm getting more full disclosure i think i'm feeling getting more engagement on my articles on instagram so i'm starting to post trying to post more on there so yeah, Pride Parker, P-R-Y-D-E, spelled like Kitty Pride. Uh, if you if you read Ultimate Spider-Man, you get the reference in my, my username. I, uh, and your MCR has been uh, articles have been pretty cool. Thanks, man. Yeah. So yeah. So um, yeah, I'm just doing. I'm reviewing. I'm actually reviewing Twelve Reasons to Die this week. So that's one reason I'm fired up about it. I'm um, for graphic policy, and doing my weekly Mandalorian reviews. That's been a lot of fun, and continuing to do my daily. Um, MCR essays, uh, Disenchanted, on my own blog, uh, Logan Dalton writes at wordpress.com. I am deep into the Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge era right now, so getting lots of lots of songs that like I really loved when they first came out, and just it's 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 a good time for the band, good creative time. So, yay! And that's the episode. Awesome. Wu Tang Forever. <laughs> <laughs>